This Week in Common Sense from November 18th through the 22nd, 2019. Five pieces from thisiscommonsense.com. No amendment should be bum-rushed into the Constitution. And that's really the problem with what's going on with the Equal Rights Amendment. And we can debate other problems, but, uh, but you know, here was an amendment that was beaten back by really conservative women led by Phyllis Schlafly, who came out and said, your daughter's gonna be drafted. If you pass the Equal Rights Amendment, and the draft was going when it was first passed uh, through Congress, they're gonna draft your daughter. And uh, people weren't too fond of that. I've never been quite you know, fond of, uh, of drafting sons, but, uh, but you know, I, I guess some people like daughters better than sons. Anyway, I like them all and don't like the draft. And I just have always thought what was interesting about this subject is that Phyllis Schlafly was right, 100% right, except even without the Equal Rights Amendment, if a draft comes, they're gonna draft your daughter, just like your son. And, uh, and it'll be interesting to see what happens as to whether they have to force equal amounts of women into the front lines as they would men. Of course, the reality, if you step back, is that the military doesn't need the draft. Warfare isn't becoming more manpower intensive. It's becoming dramatically less with drones and with the, you know, if, if you've ever seen a Star Wars movie, with the ability to have like all kinds of drones and robots with artificial intelligence, you know, the future doesn't look like we need to draft a lot of people and put them into uniform and put a pack on their back and, and send them around the world. And of course, I'd question the whole foreign policy uh, that even today has bases and soldiers and interventions all over the world and what, uh, my favorite Democrat, Tulsi Gabbard, calls regime change wars. So, um, but, but it's interesting that Schlafly was raising this alarm, but we already have the 14th Amendment and equal protection under the law, and, and that applies to women and men. And of course, I was very much uh, resisting draft registration when Jimmy Carter brought it back in 1980. When, when Ronald Reagan promised he would end it if elected president, and then kind of went back on his word and prosecuted people like myself. Um, and this, the, the program was taken all the way to the US Supreme Court on the grounds of that it discriminated against men. And that if it didn't include women, it violated our rights and should be thrown out. And the Supreme Court said somewhat reasonably, uh, you know, overall, their decisions on the draft have been horrible because it obviously violates the 13th Amendment. It's involuntary servitude. But they said here, um, women can't be in combat. The draft is designed to deliver combat soldiers. Um, and since women can't be in combat, it would make no sense to draft women. Now, of course, they would intend to draft women if they were drafting healthcare workers or something else, which is not, you know, once you start conscripting people, you can come up with all kinds of rationales for who should and, and under what circumstances. But, but uh, so it's not like they, they forswore ever, you know, going after conscripting women. 
but they weren't going to use it in a military draft sort of way. You fast forward four decades, and of course, women are now able to go into and in uh, virtually every combat field, every combat position. So that's no longer true. And the federal judge last year, I believe it was, early last year, or uh, was it this year? I'm, I'm losing my mind. But uh, a federal judge has basically said, look, your draft registration program is unconstitutional because it violates the rights of men. Women, women should be included in, in every way that men should because that whole combat thing has completely changed. So uh, we know that soon uh, they're either going to extend draft registration to women or they're going to uh, or they're going to end the program. And of course, we've talked previously, and we'll talk again about the draft and draft registration and the whole ridiculous program that there is no need for. But here, it's interesting that because of equal protection of the laws and the way society has changed, if Schlafly was right that the draft might or that the Equal Rights Amendment might force this. But it's obvious you didn't need the Equal Rights Amendment because just equal rights and changing uh, military policy has, has created the same circumstance. And it's important to look at that because it means that while the Equal Rights Amendment, I read it, it seems to make sense. I seem to agree with it in every way, shape, and form. But as you and I have discussed, how are we going to define the word sex? And is, is everybody going to see that the same way? Um, and interestingly enough, that's one of the reasons why you debate these things and you hold votes and discussions. And, and in essence, um, when I feel like Margot Rubio, uh, anyway, uh, in, in essence here, it was debated back in the 1970s. And, but there was a different concept, I think, of a lot of things. You didn't have, like, conservatives always already raised concerns, and, and I think in some cases rightfully so, about transgender uh, athletes taking positions of women. And, of course, if there can't be any account of sex in, in terms of deciding positions, well, then you don't have to be a transgender. You can, you can just be a man and say, hey, I'm going to run this race that the women are running. Um, now, I don't think a reasonable court it would, would interpret that constitutional amendment that way, but let's debate it and let's see what might come of it and let's not rush it into the Constitution, especially in a way, you know, in this day and age, you know, this is simple enough stuff that let's put it back through the process and, and let's, not, let's not say that we can just you know, uh, even though the time has expired, what the heck, we're going we're to ratify it and shove it in anyway. That's, that's not likely to work well. You should mention how they're attempting to bum rush it in. Well, basically, in 1972, they passed it. They gave it a seven-year time period for ratification. And, and I, I, I always, what I think of when I say that and think about it is, when I was working for term limits, 
they brought constitutional amendments. Here's the constitutional amendment. We were wanting to make sure we got one in that was three terms in the House and two in the Senate and had lifetime limits and good stuff and written right. And they had the, they always had this little clause that said, you know, must, you know, ratification within seven years of passage. And I thought, well, you know, what if they don't ratify within seven years? I'd like to have 10 or 20 or do we have to have any limit at all? And of course, the last constitutional amendment, the Madison Amendment, uh, was proposed as part of the Bill of Rights. There were 12 elements to that. 10 of them got passed, two didn't. And the one that, that uh, one of the ones that didn't was then ratified 203 years later uh, in, in, what was it, 1991 or, or uh, I believe it was 1991 or 1992 uh, on pay. And that's one of the reasons that people are saying, well, now we can just push through the Equal Rights Amendment because this one took 203 years. Why should there be any time limit? Well, the Madison Amendment, the, the ones that Madison proposed didn't have a time limit. And that's why that one has, has been added to the Constitution. The Equal Rights Amendment did. And of course, then it was extended. And as I understand it, it was extended by a majority vote of Congress, which is not the two-thirds that proposes amendments. Um, but either way, it was extended until 1982. And then it's still not enough states ratified it. 35 states ratified it. Five states rescinded their ratification after Phyllis Schlafly and other activists, you know, uh, you know, went after it. And so you could argue that only 30 states have done it. But there's some question about whether rescission, you know, rescinding votes should count. And I think that, you know, certainly if they came before it was actually ratified by enough states, they should count. But, but either way, two states since that time, in very recent times, I think in the last, what, four or five years, uh, Nevada and Illinois have now ratified it. And so if you don't count the states that rescinded it, that would be 37. And with Virginia now turning blue, both chambers of the legislature last November, this November, just weeks ago, voting uh, and putting in a Democratic majority in both the House and Senate, they can, can ratify it. And that would be 38 states. But of course, the deadline has run out. It ran out you know, what, 37 years ago, uh, uh, if I'm right. It's tough across the, uh, across the millennial uh, things there. But, but anyway, it, it, it just seems to me this is, it's, it's very bad politics. This is a, it's a simple concept. Americans don't, for the most part, disagree about equal rights for men and women. Uh, put it forward in some way that could unite the country not like, you know, wearing hoods and late at night sneaking into the, you know, National Archives and sticking it in or something. This is, it, the time has run out. Put it back through the process. Let's discuss the concerns anybody has and let's pass it. I think I'd vote for it, but I'd want to have a discussion. I'd want something to be on the record that the way that I understand the terminology is the way that the authors understand the terminology and that we can put that in the record and that a court of law could look at it and say, okay, here's obviously the parameters that were intended by these words that are being used. This, look, interpreting law is tough, but human beings really can do it if they try. And, and, uh, but you have, to have, you have to have some process 
and you have to have some respect for the people, enough respect that you don't try some end run like this. I think this is, uh, uh, and I know the media, it just cheerleads for it. There doesn't seem to be any real uh, uh, criticism over trying to do something that, that I think just takes away from people's confidence in government and in, and in having some rule of law. If, if basically people can try to jam a constitutional amendment through that has already expired in its timeline, and that, that's barely a blip in any of the stories. It's just, yes, they can kind of. And, you know, if we cheerlead it enough and we just pass it anyway, we can kind of ignore that. It just, it's, it, it sets people who want to see that Equal Rights Amendment up to be very disappointed when it doesn't happen. It sets up people who uh, are on the other side to say, my goodness, I can't trust anything. Who knows what they'll do next? Um, we need to get, <laughs> let's talk. We need to get together and, and, and talk uh, about maybe having a process that there could just be enough trust to know that when the time runs out for something, it's out and, and you can bring it back, but you have to bring it back. Uh, it just, just seems so simple. You know, when I was uh, young, we're about the same age, when it was talking about it a great deal in the late 70s and early 80s. Um, I became dubious about the amendment, largely because I didn't think that Americans any longer agreed on what rights were and what a basic <laughs> right. But as uh, one of your readers, one of your loyal readers, Pat, says on the website today, we don't know much about sex anymore. We can't agree about sex because there is this concept of gender, which was not a big deal in 1982. Yes, yes. And, and uh, I, I do look at things like uh, uh, that, that you've got transgender women who are biologically men competing in sports and stuff. And I just, I look at that, and it's, it's not so much on the basis of gender or sex, but on the basis of sport. I want sports to be, you know, fun to watch and interesting. You don't want it to, you want it to be competitive. You don't want it to be unfair and you know, that's no fun. So, so, uh, but, but there is, there is a different discussion that needs to be had. And again, um, you know, that we can have that discussion. I know we can figure all this stuff out. Um, we can be, good to all people and welcoming and let's give everybody their rights. And boy, if there's a conflict of rights someplace, let's drill down and figure out why we, we have a conflict there. I mean, this is not, this isn't stuff that we can't do. It's somewhat new, but that's the way the world is. It's, it makes it more exciting that it's not always the same issues. There's new issues. Let's, let's deal with them. It, it seems to me though, that there's almost an attempt to say, no, let's jam in that we win or you win or, you know, nobody wins in that sort of, of thing. Per passing a constitutional amendment that we would then fight over later doesn't seem to solve any of those problems. The truth is the discussion without passing a constitutional amendment might solve most of the problems. I mean, because I think about it, and, and, and I, think there's, I think there's sometimes this, uh, and I, I saw it with uh, uh, Caitlyn Jenner, Bruce Jenner, Olympic 
superstar or athlete uh, uh, becomes a, a transgender woman. Uh, and, and it was big news, and I think nobody really cared. Great for, you know, hey, more power to you. Live the life you want to live. I, I, I really think there was not a lot of the country that, what's the big deal? And, and I think there's been, you know, but I'm sure there are people who have a lot of trouble. I think there are people who almost think that, you know, that this is just all something that's people in cities are putting, putting over on them. It's all not really true or something. They don't know anyone who's transgender. Uh, I find that hard to believe that they've never bumped into anybody who was transgender, but you know, it, it's uh, depending on where you live and so on. You can, you can, you know, these, these folks are going to have their opinions. We can be, they can have their rights. Transgender people can have their rights. I, I don't see that there's really going to be that much of a, of disagreement over these things, except in who's dictating for somebody else and and the less we have to dictate it's it's why when the bathroom policy came out it was you know anarchy has worked so well this is you know i don't know about you but i've gone to the bathroom my whole life and and i've just never had any real problems when you when you stop and think it's one of the things that works pretty well in the united states you're in it doesn't matter where you are there's bathrooms everywhere and we figured out how to make those bathrooms, you know, and, and be able to come in and out. And and I've never I've never thought about checking the ID of anybody who went in and out. I've never had any problems in, in bathrooms. I have heard of some, but but that's a whole nother case. No, it it it's the sort of thing that you know, I, I make light of of you know, how silly I think a lot of this is, but there are discussions to be had. And it's not just that we, we kind of are, are politically gonna push different things. We're not gonna have those discussions. That's not how you have those discussions. That's not how you bring people together by trying to somehow Pass this amendment, and maybe maybe the people pushing it—that's not—that's not their goal to somehow. It doesn't have anything to do for them with transgender rights, because of course, when it was discussed 30, 40 years ago, it didn't have anything to do with that. But what whatever it has to do with, go through the process, and and I think it's tough to tell people that today, because they see the process and they see that for the most part. When we get to see, and we had a couple things that were kind of about impeachment and some of that, we haven't talked that much about it, um, and 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 won't be really because you know there's plenty of it in the media. I've noticed, uh, and and for the most part, I don't think that's where the important decisions in our society are being made. But but you know when we see discussions being had on on in living color on our TV sets. We're not very impressed. It's not, it's not the kind of discussions we'd like to see. Um, and, and, you know, we, we got to change that. And I, and I think this Equal Rights Amendment, um, you know, it's just kind of a silly thing because it's not likely to happen and it's not really needed. And yet I think it could be a good discussion and there may be parts of it needed, 
but in in raising the red flag or the blue flag we're not ever gonna you know they don't seem to be intent on taking it to the body politic in any reasonable respectful way and saying okay let's try this um and, and surely if they're saying we couldn't get an equal rights amendment that merely says men and women are equal under the law and written to solve anybody else's problem if we can't agree on that as a society if we can't write that up that's pretty bad and i now i'm not arguing that we have to we've already written it up in the 14th amendment we could do it other ways too we could you know we could add language we could we could say you know we could define terms more but but if folks think that the best way to get that done is this end run you know after time has run out and everybody's left the stadium we're going to call a couple plays and see if we can get it across the end line that <clears throat> that just negates the whole idea that we have you know that 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 we're respectful of our fellow citizens and that we have some confidence that given a way to make the world better, people are going to agree. And that's something so simple that I think what, you know, I, I, I don't know, I haven't seen any polls, but men and women ought to be equal under the law. I got to think that's in the, in the mid to high nineties. Yeah. The problem is that, Many people don't understand the equality of rights under the law. My, my argument always was that the language was fine with me, but it's not as if when you say equality of rights shall not be abridged on account of sex. Like, isn't that how it read? Um, when you yes. say that, it does not mean that something new is being added to rights. We're just recognizing that this is an element of the rights we've already had. And yes. it's really just a, it's just a gloss because... To me, what I what I fear in this with the, with the, the people who are talking about gender rather than sex, is that they're trying to force people to include, rather than to allow freedom of association, and I I I fear that that's what's going on, and that's what many people are concerned about now too about this kind of stuff is that we have a bunch of people who aren't interested in freedom as defining rights, but instead as forcing people to do something they don't want. They want to, they want to order society the way they think society should be. Um, and, and certainly, uh, yeah, freedom of association kind of gets lost. You don't hear you know, freedom of the press and freedom of speech. Um, but freedom of, of association is, is big. And it's, and it, you know, uh, this may not be the best example from a, from a PR standpoint because, uh, people get so, exercised over the idea that corporations are not people, you know, they're corporations. But of course, corporations are comprised of people, people freely associating with each other. And you can write different rules, you know, corporations are creatures of the, of, you know, law and government, and then they were legislated into existence, and they can be changed or, you know, you legislate them out of existence. I don't think any sane person wants to go that, that direction. But but you know it, it it's it seems to me the uh you know the the idea that people have a right to associate with each other is huge because freedom of speech without it would be shouting in the wilderness freedom of the press without it would be the same you can you know you can run someplace on the moon 
and do your newspaper and stand on a soapbox. But if you can't actually associate with people and, and, you know, I, you think about around the world associating, um, you know, when governments say, uh, gee, we're going to lob tear gas every time that uh, you, so you get together anywhere, which is happening not only in Hong Kong now, but also in Baghdad, uh, a government that we control. Uh, well, 300 plus people have been killed by, by security forces in Iraq in the last few months. Uh, <clears throat> I believe that wounded is something like 15,000. Uh, they have used live ammunition. Uh, they have killed people by shooting them in the head with uh, tear gas canisters, but they're demanding rights. And, and I, you know, I don't know every demand that's been made on the street in Baghdad, uh, but the people aren't too happy with their government there. And I think they have every reason to be. Uh, they're not too happy with their government. They're not too happy with Iran, which is largely embedded in their government. And they're not too happy with the United States of America, which is largely standing behind and defending their government and making it, uh, uh, well, I mean, we're, we're, their, we're their bad cop if, uh, if they get into trouble. And I, I, you know, not only do I not like that, but I also think here we are, I know I've just jumped into this big tangent, but uh, here we are in America we have invaded a country, set up a government. That government is killing people on the streets using live ammunition against what appear to be mostly peaceful protesters. And, and whatever that line is, I'm not sure shooting rifles with live bullets uh, is, uh, I'm not sure that's the, the proper response. And yet there's no discussion really in America about any responsibility we might have for the monster we have created in Iraq. Just none. And, um, you know, that's, that's really amazing. It's, it's uh, you know, we, we, you hear, you know, anytime someone makes a change like uh, Trump, and I, I don't think I would have done it the way he did it in terms of, of pulling out at the time he did in, in Syria, and you've got the Kurds, and you've got different things that, could be raised, uh, but you hear all the problems at that point of of you know what is what it what it means to not continue our intervention in Syria, but not one bit is is really you know I mean I just don't think it comes home to people that what's going on on the streets of Baghdad is our responsibility. We created those conditions. We put people there. We put the government there that's killing people. Um, and it's kind of, you know, I look at Venezuela and I think, uh, you know, the government of Cuba has some responsibility for what's happening to people on the streets of, of Venezuela. And I think in the same way, we have some responsibility for what's happening to people on the streets of Baghdad. Well, that seems undoubtable. I don't know how you could... Uh disagree but i'm sure somebody does we but you have to admit we have, in america have uh, problems with our own little governments in massachusetts on monday you wrote about how uh, the massachusetts legislature wants to take away people's cars and boats you know cars boats and whatever uh, conveyances if they can't prove that the vaping product they have is legal yes yes the 
you know, we, we, there's finally been just a little bit of sense uh, on the drug war and marijuana and uh, <clears throat> Massachusetts has now legalized marijuana and then some realization that we, we were going the wrong direction. And what's the first impulse? First of all, on all this vape stuff, it's, it's, and, and look, I don't smoke cigarettes. Once upon a time I did, I'm glad I gave them up. It was long ago. I kind of think I've encouraged loved ones I know, and I, I don't anymore, but at one point encouraged them to vape instead of smoke because I think it's healthier for you. Uh, but neither one of them's good. You know, I, you know when <laughs> my parents' generation would always say, uh, well, you know, we didn't know all the dangers of smoking, but I'm thinking, you know, you're sucking smoke. I mean, no one stands around the fire and breathes in and tries to grab all the smoke. Everyone really, I mean, you cough the first couple of times. That's kind of a telltale sign that it's not good for you. Um, and somehow breathing in, you know, uh, mist and different chemicals, that doesn't sound good either. Uh, but as a way to get nicotine into your nicotine addicted body, maybe vaping is better than smoking cigarettes. Uh, uh, that, that was my sense. But, but you know, you look at the problems with it and almost all the problems have been using THC, uh, which is of course unregulated in, in vaping, it's illegal, uh, not using the, the products that most of the big companies are, are producing and so on. So you're using kind of black market uh, products in the vaping thing and then, then they run into problems. And that has not, I mean, all the hype is kind of, I think, hidden that. But whatever, even if you're gonna be insane about vaping, what is the first thing it seems like that the Massachusetts legislature wants to jump to is that we're going to use civil asset forfeiture against people. And if, if they can't prove their vaping products, like you say, they're going to grab their car or their boat or this is, you know, our government is constantly doing things like this that just say, they don't have good sense. They don't, you know, Andy Griffith is dead. It's like the idea that maybe there should be some restraint and some common sense that we don't live in a police state or shouldn't. And, and yet you, you hear these things constantly uh, that, that somehow we, you know, police should just, you know, be completely uh, oppressive. And that is, you know, this is, we should be able to steal and beat up people. You know, it, it's, uh, Trump has suggested that, at, you know, at the rally saying that he would, that he would, uh, you know, pick up somebody's legal fees if they punch somebody, or that the police used to, you know, beat somebody up a little bit, and that might teach him a lesson. Um, we don't, we don't need those police. I mean, we, we have to kind of decide as a society, uh, you know, to, to virtue signal by making police behave themselves, by making government <clears throat> actually do the right thing. We, we uh, you know, it just seems like for so long there have been these sorts of policies that 90% of us, I'm, I, I was shocked and in a good way to see the polling on civil asset forfeiture. And the same is true with police cameras and others, but especially civil asset forfeiture. P 
people understand and oppose the sort of violation that is to people's property rights, to their to criminal justice rights, to innocence until proven guilty. And, and the numbers are, are 88 and 92% against that policy. And yet it continues. They keep doing it. And they're in Massachusetts suggesting that they do it in a, in a, all over again. What that tells you is there's a disconnect. We're not in control. They're not looking at the polls and saying, hey, what do the people want? Because, boy, we want to do what they want. We work for them, and they don't like civil asset forfeiture. We need to find a different way to raise revenue. No. They're saying, those people may have said something, not that I really care. Whatever it is, we're doing what we want to do with the folks who we work with. The insiders or cronies are just the people we work with. But the, the public be damned on these things. I mean, when, when you see things like this, and I've said the same thing about term limits, but you can understand on term limits that politicians, okay, on this one, we're going to say, screw you. We're going to do what's good for us. We don't care. We're not going to pass term limits because that would hurt us personally really bad. We'd have to leave our, our fine positions. But on civil asset forfeiture, I mean, how important, this isn't life or death to, uh, to elected officials. What this is, is that the police unions and the prosecutors and other folks are going to say, hey, we like this money we're getting. And the public, how, you know, they know the public's against it, but they figure I'm going to get reelected. I'm going to do what my buddies want. So not just when it's about them getting to stay in power on all kinds of things. And, and that civil asset forfeiture continues in this country. Um, it, it's outrageous. But we, we see on all kinds of things. The, the, the thing that people, I think, have to come to grips with is that we've lost control of our government. We have lost control. We're not losing control. We've lost control. And so, in essence, you know, as a friend once recently told me, we're behind enemy lines. Um, it, it, it's a little bit like that. We don't have the clout we ought to have. And, but it is time to step up. When people do start to step up, wow, that it can change fast. And I say that because... In a state like Virginia, years ago, we had uh, a, a legislation passed uh, about abusive driver fees. And the fees were these extras that were added to uh, tickets, uh, uh, not parking tickets, but you know, speeding, those sorts of tickets, and traffic tickets, but, uh, but active, <laughs> active tickets. And, uh, and they were to go after abusive drivers, but of course they very quickly in the public mind were abusive fees, abusive driver fees, but abusive fees because they were talking about charging people like $3,000. And it turned out they had a special exemption that if you weren't from the state of Virginia, they wouldn't charge you. The reason being, if they did, states would go to court and the federal government would shut it down saying it violated interstate compacts that you can't have these types of abusive fees on people. 
you know, highway robbery. Don't ever come to our state again because we bunch of police stopped you and slapped you with, you know, $15,000 in fees because you did two or three things you weren't supposed to do. Um, and, and so here in Virginia, what are we going to, we can't take it to a referendum. Um, there was an election coming up, but not terribly quickly. Um, and a guy put up a website with a petition calling on him to take these down. I was, I believe, in the, I think I was, there were 75,000 people who had signed it when I got to it, which was just days after it started, it seemed. And in the end, I believe there were several hundred thousand people who signed this. Um, but the, the, the response using that vehicle and other ways to show protest was so great that the sponsor of it, said he would move in the next session of the legislature to repeal his bill, repeal it outright, and they did. Uh, and he survived, I believe, as I recall, but a number of legislators went down after that. We still have the power, just like in, you know, in, in revolutions all over the world, you know, when, when, when checks poured into the streets of Prague, um, you know, it, it, it ended there. But of course, there was all kinds of things that led up to that. And, um, and we still have the power, but if we don't exercise it, uh, it's, it's getting weaker, not stronger. And uh, it's only going to get stronger if we exercise it.